Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You got to be hungry, man. I mean... I know how I felt aspiring to be something before anybody ever knew. You know, I know what it felt like to to be in the gym by myself when nobody cared. I, I wanted to be successful so bad. I wanted to be a basketball player so bad. Every part of me, you know, was was going to put everything into that. You can't be satisfied. Even when I was the best player, that doesn't mean you stop working. You know, we can get content so easily sometimes and and when i say these things these are these are coming from my own experiences hey everybody welcome to another episode of impact theory i am here with entrepreneur writer music executive and one of the greatest nba stars of all time chris bosch chris welcome to the show Thank you very much, man. Thank you for having me. Dude, I am super excited to have you. I was blown away by your book, Letters to a Young Athlete. I actually think it's going to go down as one of the great books on leadership. If I'm honest, I think that it really does transcend. Um, it. I'm not an athlete, not in the slightest, my man. But reading that right. book, I was like, this is directly applicable to everything that I do as well. So whether you're an entrepreneur or somebody that's into music or just you're trying to be great at anything, um, mm-hmm. I really thought that it was exceptional. What made you want to to write that book? Man, you know, um, for those who don't know, um, I used to play basketball uh, professionally uh, for up to 13 years in my 14th year or my 13th year at the midway in part of my 13th year. Um, I had blood clots. Um, and this was for the second time. The first time the year before that I had a pretty tragic instance where I was in the hospital. I needed surgery. I had a pulmonary embolism. You know, I'm lucky to be alive. Um, the next year they, you know, we found a blood clot in uh, my calf. And pretty much when that happens, you know, there's really no fix for that. And I, I pretty much had to retire. So it's pretty, it's like being thrown out of a car going 140. <laughs> and, emotionally. you know, yeah, emotionally for sure. And I kind of had to re- really just reflect on where I was, where I am in my life, because I had to go from being a full-time athlete, playing in the NBA, road games, appearances, to pretty much being a full-time dad instantly. I have five children, you know, so it's very busy, you know, being a full-time husband, having to learn and reinvent myself. And in that, I, I really, really reflected on my career. I never had, not not only my career, but 
when I say career, I mean my basketball life. That's a a better way to put it because that's all I did. And I didn't understand that's all I did until it wasn't there anymore. Mm. And I just got to a point where in my reflection, you know, you go through everything in between, you know, the highs and the lows. And I struggled, you know, I struggled uh, emotionally dealing with with everything. But this has been kind of define everything for me. Like you struggled Um, with who am I? What am I going to do? Do I have value? That kind of thing? Or was it something different? Well, more so like, what am I going to do? Um, I've always tried to encourage people and read material, uh, to help people out what they're going to do. And then I'm in that situation and I don't have any excuses. Uh, usually the excuses, uh, for someone to make a better living, that's the drive for them. Right. Uh, or, or money or something like that. Neither one of those, uh, came into play. So I really, really had to dig deep and really, uh, find out what I love doing and, you know, really just reflect on uh, everything that happened uh, throughout my life, conversations with coaches, um, you, you know, uh, situations overcoming, you know, of course, adversity. That's always a classic one. Uh, but really sitting down and dissecting all of those moments in my career that I felt really, really propelled me to where I am today and being appreciative for that. So this book is pretty much like a memento, if you will, to not only the younger generation, but all generations who want to better themselves, uh, want to learn more and who want to be great and and want to win. I think that's, uh, that's an important attitude to have. And, and I wanted to put it in some sort of book form where people, you know, could really, really take it in and digest it. Yeah. I had a similar feeling when I read Phil Jackson's 11 rings. So I'm actually, and this is probably just a horrendous thing to confess to you, but I'm not a sports guy. Like I don't pay attention (laughs) to sports or anything. Um, but somebody had told me that, no, 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 don't think of Phil Jackson's book as being about sports. Think of it as being about leadership. And so I read it and I was like, this is one of the most extraordinary books I've ever read in my life. Like this guy's a philosopher as much as he is, um, a coach. And when I got your book, I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, I, I recognize the title as sort of a wink to some of the other letters, too. Um, yes. But to see you so thoroughly uh, take the soul of what those other but like you even reference um, Rainier Rilke, if I, I think that's mm-hmm. his first name, <laughs> and letters to a poet. <laughs> and um, you really poured yourself into this in a way that it feels like an instruction manual for greatness. And that's how I felt. And it felt like the birth of a philosopher. And I don't know if that's sort of where you want to go with this. Like you're, you're, and I'm not kidding at all. Your resume is really interesting, but the way that you're able to dissect what it takes to be great. And I want to start with the notion of talent is not enough. Um, That was one of the things I found super profound in the book. What does it mean that talent isn't enough and how, do you achieve greatness if you can't just rely on talent? Well, it's kind of one of those um, things, you know, and and I'm so glad that, you know, we're able to have this conversation because I feel that I'm one of those guys to kind of bridge the gap uh, to help people understand the game of basketball a little more. And not to, not to say that somebody's going to be a diehard right away, but there, there are simple kind of connections in there that I think were really, you know, I've, I've, talk to people and, and seeing the light come on and say, oh, okay, you know, that's how it is. You know, usually 
Um, we always had a saying uh, in the NBA, if you play hard, you give yourself a chance. And in my, in my career, I had so many instances. I've had hundreds of teammates. And in that, you always um, I have an interesting uh, scenario where you see the difference between talent and hard work. Of course, if you're a talented hard worker, then if, if you put the talent with the hard work, then, then, then now we're talking. But I've seen so many times and, and so many people not reach their potential only because they didn't want to do the work. The talent was there. Um, I think even sometimes the love for the game or the love for the field that they're doing is there. But you have to combine it with with that um, toughness and hard work. And, you know, there's no cheating the process. Um, you know, I, I think Can sometimes. You, what, what is the process? Yeah. <clears throat> um, you, you know, uh, doing things every day. So uh, I always like to work backwards. Uh, so, for instance, if I'm a basketball player and I want to be a better shooter, well, I say, okay, I want to be a better shooter. That is my goal. What do I have to do daily uh, to ensure that I can become a better shooter? Some people would say, well, you need a teacher. Not, ne not necessarily so. You have to sometimes go and seek the information, put in the work. That could be a part of uh, one of the days of the process to becoming a better shooter. Um, you know, so I always try to make sure that I put my the work in myself only because you see how so many people, uh, you know, leave their talent on the table, so to speak. I mean, you know, and sometimes that can be a uh, it's a gift and a curse, right? You can be the most talented person in the room, that'll automatically bring your work ethic down a little bit, and that's something you have to fight. But I think sometimes, especially in younger people, you think it's going to last forever. You think it's always going to be here and I don't have to try so hard. I've seen so many people just be hard workers. And then, you know, that gives them a seat at the table just by their work ethic. We're not even talking about talent right now, you know, but when you when you combine that talent with the hard work, I think that's when you get the lighter fuel uh, to get you where you need to go. One of the things you talk about, so one, you referenced David Goggins, which you had me at hello with that one. Uh, and so <laughs> blown away by him and his notion of when you think that you're completely broken and spent, you're actually only 40% of the way there. You talk about ignoring your empty light. What does that, what does that mean? Um, you know, when we were in the playoffs, when I got to the point where we could compete for a championship as a team, uh, with the Miami Heat back, it's crazy to say, 10 years ago, you, you find yourself in a place where every game is difficult. And I always like to use, I always said the phrase, man, it feels like I'm scratching the depths of my soul. And then after I scratch that, I got to get more. I got to dig more because in the heat of competition, uh, when you really, really want something, you're going to be tired sometimes. And there might be a loose ball that you have to get. And you can't really think about how tired you are. And in the daily practice of pushing yourself, you have to know how far you can go. And with that said, like a lot of people will just stop only because, uh, you know, their calves are burning if they're exercising or you're doing some pull-ups. You might, you could get two more, you know. Um, one of the best exercises that helped me uh, in my adolescence and really in my training for the league as well was running a mile. I had this coach, Ken Roberson, up in Dallas. We would have to run a mile almost pretty much three times a week. And it was so hard 
because by that after that first lap, you get that that little person on your shoulder saying, "Please just stop. <laughs> Can you please stop so that we could just stop?" And in getting through that, um, sometimes you find out like, "Wow, I didn't feel like doing it today, but I ran my best time, or I kept going and I had more." left in the tank than what I thought. You know, there's that nice balance between um, pushing yourself and, and not, you know, too much. You don't want to go too far, but I think sometimes with human beings, we, we don't want to put, we don't want to limit our mind or our body. You know, you don't want to put limitations on it. You want to push the limitations uh, daily. Not, nothing extreme. Are you are you saying nothing extreme? You don't want to go too far because you don't want moms coming after you? Because like you can't quote Goggins <laughs> over here who like all but right. kills himself. <laughs> and by the way, this is what I loved about your book, man, is you really like you get the nuance of the situation. And so I get it. Look, and I hedge sometimes, too, with my language. But I want to I want to get beyond the hedge. We'll just covet or caveat, caveat, right? Like, of course, you don't want people hurting themselves. But in the book, like you really go into what it takes to be great. You want to play for real? Like now we're going to have to go beyond the pain. We have to go beyond the suffering. You have to dig deep. And you talk about finding a why. Talk to me about that. Like when Mm -hmm. you're running that mile and you're on lap three and the voice that Mm -hmm. started at lap one is now shrieking. (laughs) <laughs> how how do you keep going? Like how do you, Chris Bosch, keep going? I think um you, you you take it one one step at a time. I hate to be cliche, uh, but you take it one step step at a time, and you know you push through it. You find a way to get through it. Whatever you do, don't stop. You know that was always the daily thing that I told myself because afterwards you don't feel too good, especially when you know that you left something on the table. And sometimes in success, especially. Uh, if you ever see a championship situation with athletes, when you're training for those moments, when you hit that wall of being tired, that's when you're starting. Because essentially, you know, what I learned from competing against the best was that every single game, we're knocking on that door. I mean, you're going to be the most exhausted that you've ever been in your life. And there's still going to be things that you have to accomplish. So you have to still be sound in body and in mind. And you still have to remember what the game plan is. What am I supposed to be doing right now? Because when you find and and through that is finding the why. So I always wanted to be successful. I, you know, I wanted nothing more um, than to be a professional basketball player and be successful and win games and be like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. (laughs) Why did that matter to you? I, I was a child. When I was a child, uh, it was just so fascinating. It was captivating. Um, my, my my dad and his friends would be all around the TV, watching basketball, watching the game, and then you know you see uh, guys that you identify with, guys that looked like me, and I was already playing basketball with my friends on the playground um, as I was discovering what it was. But once I saw that. You know, how much of, you know, people looked up to these athletes and and how fun it was or, or, or the how fun the thought would be to play basketball professionally. I mean, I was just hooked after that and I couldn't get enough. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when I think about greatness and what it really takes to get there and you think about why 
I have a hypothesis because I've thought a lot about this, about why I'm so driven, right? So I never have to work another day in my life. And yet I show up every day like my life fucking depends on building right. the next gigantic company, right? And so I think a lot about evolution and like why the human mind is the way the human mind is. So every species has a choice. Do you pre-program everything or do you basically give potential, right? And then based on your circumstances, what potential do you need to develop into skill set in order to survive? Now, nature incentivizes with pleasure and pain, quite frankly, the things that it wants to ensure that you do, right? So if it wants to make sure that you right. have babies, sex is pretty amazing, right? So that it gets it's in the end, right? Now, People, with, right. with the sort of grand why of things, and this is actually what you say in the book is your why. It was one of the things I was like, yes. You said, I want to see how much of my potential I can actually manifest. And that mm -hmm. to me lines up with evolution. If evolution chose with the human animal, the strategy of I'm not going to pre-program very much. So now I need to make sure that you get this internal reward for actually seeing how much potential you can turn into skills. And getting people to understand that this is why I'm obsessed with your book, getting people to understand this, like you open the book saying, I, you've got a lot of voices in your head right now. I get it. You, I, at one point yeah. you said, I could practically <laughs> feel you falling asleep, but what you were saying was so important because when people are human, you will have a void in your life if you don't translate potential into skills. And so few people really like dig deep, ignore the empty light, scrape the bottom of their soul, find more somehow, some way, take the time to build a why and think about like, why in this moment when it hurts and it sucks, am I going to keep going? And mm -hmm. absolutely, that to me is that that is the money. What do you think about when you think about your kids? Like, I don't have kids, so I never have to cross this bridge. But if I had kids, I'd be real honest. You got it. You have to be willing to break yourself in half. Like you just have to for your own sanity. You, you do. And, you know, one of the challenges with that is finding not only finding your why, but finding that thing that you love to do. And, you know, so, you know, for me, um, I was so lucky to have basketball, you know, to love basketball because there's actually programs, there's teams. Um, especially the communities that we were growing up in, there weren't many resources. So to actually have something to do to keep me out of trouble before and after school, that was great. I always empathize, um, you know, with the young people who don't have uh, extracurricular activities that one are not in their communities or schools or something they're not interested in. Um, I always try to challenge people not to know, you know, of course, we find the why we get to that point, but find that thing you love doing, because when you get to the why, you know, having a love for something from the beginning, that's a great why. That's a great start right there. And then you can build on top of that, because if you're not really loving what you're doing, then when it comes to the why you won't, you, you'll kind of fall short a little bit or you'll struggle. Um, and more so, you know, I, I want to challenge people to think about those things. You know, why? Yeah, why are you doing this? You know, my children ask me why every day. <laughs> and, you know, just getting to that point of really thinking deeply. And that's one of the things that um, we say within the book as well, um, to think deeply. And, you you know, you, you can get pretty deep pretty quick. You know, I want to do X. Well, why? Because of Y. Well, why? Because of Z. And then you know, sometimes we'll get to a point where we can't even answer that question. But the question is the starting point 
and and the love is the starting point to get there. So when you get to those dog days of uh, the day you feel that you can't do it or you don't feel like doing it or you just want to go away, the love of it, if you don't do anything, you know, if you if you're doing something you don't love, you'll probably stop. You know, or when it's time to push yourself a little further, you probably you might not scrape everything. You might look at it, but you might not scrape the depths. You're going to have to challenge yourself because you will get challenged by life, by a game, by business, by entrepreneurship. Um, there are always going to be challenges to overcome. And, you know, really, to be quite frank, I get, you know, it's disappointing to hear people you know, fall short because they said, oh, well, you know, it was hard or I got <clears throat> something happened or, you know, it's always a description of some obstacle, you know, and um, I, I always try to make sure that I had my why intact, but also to have the love first, you know, because if you don't love it first, then, you know, you're not going to get very far. Mm. What do you think when people blame a bad call or coaching or whatever. What do you, what do you think about that? So I played, um, you know, like I say, hundreds of teammates and you you have those teammates or that friend or that person. That's always, it's always something else. Right. Um, and eventually I got to the point where, you know, I said, okay, you can still complain about the referees or the situation or my friend or some sabotage, but did you win or lose at the end of the day? That's pretty much what it got down to because, you know, and then one thing that I noticed, the same people complain about the referees. It's a great point, but just, you know, it's a part of the game. And if you continue to deflect off of something else, you're never going to get better because it's some extremity that's, you know, keeping you from, from doing what you're supposed to do. So, and, and, you know, that was one of the things that I always tried to embody. I would never even think about the refs. It's a passionate game. You'll get into it sometimes. They've got a job to do just like you. They don't want to mess anything up. You know, they want a fair game to be played. And, you know, you, you know, you, you can't think too much like that. Like, that's the all about me, me, me syndrome, right? The refs made the bad call, and that's why we lost. It has nothing to, you know, it has nothing to do with your mistakes. You sure, you know, if you externalize, you don't, you never look within and you, you'll never get to the point where, you know, you're thinking like, how can I, what, what could I have done better to ensure that we could have been successful and what will I do better next time? That's the better thought, because if you're always blaming it on something else, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's always going to be there because there's always going to be referees. There's always going to be challenges. Mm. All right. So you've had a lot of teammates played against a lot of people. You're a student of the game. You've seen people come go. If you had to pinpoint like the sort of main theme or a couple themes that really trip people up and stop them from becoming great. What are those things? Oh, man, I would definitely say uh, one of the words I always like to use is perseverance. Um, just like we were kind of, uh, you know, uh, talking about, you know, pushing yourself in the David Goggins um, <laughs> reference. You know, you have to have perseverance because, you know, like I said before, not every day you're going to feel like doing what you do. You're not going to feel good every day. Every day your goal will not be accomplished like that. You know, we're going to spend a lot more days working than we are celebrating. 
And, and that's if you have massive celebrations. That's at the pinnacle of success, or at least what I think it is, right? But, you know, eventually you're, you're going to have to have that perseverance to be able to have the toughness to keep going. You know, I've seen so many people stop, you know, and then the best analogy was kind of you, you. Have you ever seen the races where the guy or the girl is running and they look at the crowd and they're doing this oh, and God. somebody is right behind them and catches them? That's kind of like the analogy that I like to use, because I've seen so many people stop short. And I mean, they'll be right there on the precipice of getting drafted in the NBA. And well, the coach and this conference isn't what it used to be. It's back to blaming other things just because challenges arose. And I would say the other one is probably teamwork. You know, I learned so much just about working with others, you know, trying to be successful. And that, and a lot of people, what a lot of people don't even understand about <clears throat> a championship situation and in any situation, I believe, is, and especially in basketball was – like a, like a hidden thing is like the wives, the team of wives, how much they put in. You know, uh, we always said, hey, everybody's got to be all in. So the wives will make sure they're, hey, at the games, we're going to get the boys together after the game and we're going to have dinner and we're going to have play dates with the kids. You know, we're going to do everything necessary as a part of this team so that they can um, can do the best job that they can do. And then even within that, um, you know, working together on the court uh, with my ex-teammates, I mean, it's, it's just so many facets to the game um, that I had to learn. But putting the team first over myself gave me the ultimate success. And it's not easy. But when you're working together with people, um, when, when, when you throw that no-look pass and, or, or you make that schedule and you know that person's going to be there, and they're going to do that job, it's, it's no better feeling, especially when you're going after something that's hard to go for. Yeah, I think it's worth going into that a little bit. For basketball fans, I think they'll be pretty aware that you are uh, – one of the things that you're famous for is your ability to figure out what the team needs and then to deliver on that. Uh, but put it in context. So you're you're killing it in Toronto. You're the star of the team. Um and you now have an opportunity to go to the Miami Heat to be part of the sort of dream team. I mean, this was like the first time a real <laughs> like super team was put together. Um, yeah. And first year, you guys kind of have issues. But then what was it that you realized for that second season when you guys come back and just light the world on fire? I think the bravery that you have to have, like I was saying, perseverance earlier. I really learned what that meant back then. Um, I really learned after uh, coming up short, um, losing in the championship in uh, 2011, you, you know, that internal voice, you know, the, the good one <laughs> pretty much told me, oh, okay, well, that's what it feels like. And we really do have to get up, pick ourselves up and get back on the horse. Um, and it was, you know, it was devastating, um, you know, going through a, a losing situation when you don't think you're going to lose, um, especially when it's on national TV. Uh, but one thing that I learned was, okay, that's, that, that's what it feels like. That's what, that's what we're dealing with here. So the next time I'm scratching, you know, scratching the depths and I'm pushing myself when I'm by myself in practice, I'm going to push a little more. Because now I know what the real pain is. You know, I thought I knew what pain is when I was working out. I thought I knew what pain is when I thought I was pushing myself. 
But then when you play 82 games plus preseason and, you know, offseason workouts, just to get knocked off the mountaintop, it hurts tremendously. And one thing that did was taught me how to bounce back. But, you know, it toughened us up a little bit. And we were okay and ready and willing to put the correct work in. And when it's time to push each other or pull each other through situations, when it gets hard, we're willing to do it because we know that, you know, it doesn't really feel good. So <laughs> later on, if you think, you know, if you think you're hurting now, try losing, right? That's all I see all, 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 all over gyms everywhere. So I always try to, you know, keep that in mind and, in pursuing a title again and going after it, we just want it to be, you know, stern and hard and make sure we're going after our goal. And if we're not um, um, putting something in that day toward the greater good of, of accomplishing a championship, then we're cheating ourselves. Talk to me about having the, um, I'm not sure what word you would use actually, but the willingness to go from being the star to being one of three stars. How did you deal with that? I mean, at a minimum, it's going to sort of cut your star time, you know, into a third. And I would say that that seems the most dangerous thing. When you think about, you know, putting a, a team together with big personalities, huge talents, um, you know, the three of you are all, if not already in the Hall of Fame, certainly will be in the Hall of Fame. So um, how do you manage that and how do you find the teamwork necessary to win? Well, I mean, it's a learning curve. Let me, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, there was, a, there was a learning curve. I mean, you know, one of the things that, um, that was important for me, like I said before, was winning. I always just wanted to be successful. And um, the opportunity came up to uh, join another team. And it all sounded great, three stars, and it was great, of course, eventually. But in the beginning, you don't really think about the work. It was just all good times. And we found out that it does take, you know, uh, um, some thinking, <laughs> but most importantly, it's a sacrifice. You know, um, sometimes the ego can really, really get in the way of, of yourself being successful because you want to average more points or you want more money or more notoriety or I guess a better position or promotion, quote unquote, you know, and. And, and it can kind of backfire sometimes. Um, you can either be, you know, an individual on, on, on their own or the part of a, the greater good. That's a, that's a great team in our case. You know, for me, I, I was, uh, the thing that really helped me out was learning how to sacrifice uh, for some things. Of course, I was known as a scorer. Um, I wanted to score a lot of points. I wanted to get a lot of rebounds. And with that comes a lot of notoriety. But Eventually, I had to understand that, okay, these two guys are really good, too. And if we're top five or ten players in the world, they're in the upper half. <laughs> and I had to realize that and understand that. And you know what? For it, it was best for the team because that allowed, if they operate, then that allowed everyone else to work, to better, work together a little better. Because within the system that we needed, that we made up as a team to, in order for us to uh, run efficiently and properly, you know, that was necessary. And I had to get over whatever was in my head of, of, of what success was, because at the end of the day, I was still able um, to continue to be a perennial all-star. But this time I'm playing in the postseason. 
I'm playing when when it's winning time. I'm playing when 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 I was always sitting on the couch uh, watching in the summertime. And so for me, I just you know, you find a way to sacrifice and get better at it and, you know, find out what the team needs before you find out what you need. And then after that, it, it kind of works out a little better. Man, that's it's one of those things you you make it sound not necessarily easy, but so many people <laughs> fall apart with it. They really can't do that. And this is why yeah. my obsession is getting people to understand everything starts with the goal. And if your goal is to be a rock star, then you make a different choice than you made and you don't have the trophies to show for it. And you probably have a lot of frustration and sort of unmet potential. But if your goal is, I know what I want is to win championships. And, you know, I'm here to to have a legacy and to build a dynasty and to see your jersey, which, of course, you eventually do see your jersey raised into the rafters where it will stay forever. I mean, that's nuts, man. But most people cannot get that kind of clarity. And I'm curious, yeah. was that the ability to start with a goal? Is that what has allowed you now? Because you're so prolific now outside of basketball. Is that part of like, okay, wait, I just have to sort of change my goal, but I'm going to do that same thing of knowing what I'm aiming at, knowing why I'm aiming at it, and then being willing to put in the work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's definitely what this book is about. Um, I... I I had we we had challenges writing the book about overcoming challenges, you know. So, you know, that's always going to be the, the sticking point. And and a, and a lot of people, uh, what you what you say reminded me of how some people they'll like us, you know, they'll quit because it got hard, mm. or just because something isn't coming to them right away, um, they'll let up a little bit. Uh, Kobe, um, he's known for saying something uh, that was quite profound. Um, he said, you have to, you know, jumping on what you love, what you do every day. You have to love what you do every day because those days that are hard, those days that suck, that's where the magic is. You go do it and you get your work in anyway, because that's where you're going to find out who you are. That's where things are going to continue to happen. And you have to just love putting in the daily work because that's another token in the bank, if you will. Um, if you're showing up you know, striving uh, towards your goal. And, you know, yeah, you know, rock star or NBA championship or, or, or whatever. I, I've, I've always had challenges. I'm not, and, and that's another thing when people get the challenges, they stop, you know, it's not just going to come to you. There's you, those Eureka moments usually come in the moments of frustration, <laughs> but you have to just stick with it. You have to, you have to really, really believe in what you're doing. And you have to have faith that it's going to work out, but you got to keep putting the work in because if you don't, it's it's not going to come to you, and it's just not, um, um, you know, going to fall in your lap. And and sometimes when you know that, all right, I'm going through it right now. This is tough. Let's just let's just take an inch forward. Let's go an inch forward today. That'll be better than going backward. You don't want to go back, but. I think sometimes just man, just just knowing that it's going to be a challenge. I think sometimes that's a that's a good thing to know. If we know, okay, I want to. This is my goal. Boy, it's going to be a lot of obstacles in there. So let me get in shape. Let me get in shape in my mind and my body to be able to navigate to get to where I need to get to. How do you think about when you're playing basketball? It's easy to know what to aim at. We've got a championship. Everything is sort of centered around making the steps very clear. Now, post-basketball, um, I know you've you've been very honest that it was a, a struggle, certainly for a hot minute. 
Um, but in terms of how many things you have going on now, you didn't just stay in basketball. You're not trying to be a scout or, you know, um, a coach <laughs> like you've you've mm-hmm. gone completely in a different direction with the writing, obviously. And I've already been just very clear about my feelings about how well the book came out, <laughs> but uh, also being a music executive, actually making music. Mm-hmm. Are you fearless in terms of starting from the bottom again? Like, how do you wrap your head around, like going from being, dude, one of the greatest people to ever do what you do (laughs) in like extraordinarily public ways to now going, oh, and I'm also going to go fucking demolish these things over here, but I'm going to start at the bottom. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, 
Today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Started from the bottom, now we're here, right? <laughs> you know, that's a part of the process. Like we were talking about the process earlier. I had to understand the process, what, what, what parts of those processes are, right? It's easy to say, well, do the process when you're on top. One of the things that music taught me and that was another one of those questions that I answered. Well, what am I going to do? Well, what do I love? Next thing you know, I had a guitar in my hand. Okay. I, am I good? Of course not. <laughs> my fingers are bleeding. Yes, they are. But you just, you know, that was me pushing myself in that situation. And a part of pushing yourself is understanding that you're a beginner. It's okay. One of the things I don't like is when people say, oh, yeah. You got to learn a language when you're young. That doesn't make any sense. You know, I talk to my kids and they're five and they know Spanish, but, you know, <laughs> not it's not like that yet. A lot of adults and, you know, kids sometimes too, going through that process of being beginner, a beginner is a frustrating process. And if someone is feeling frustrated, I say, good, good job. That means you're, that means you're working. That means you're doing something. You know, a lot of people will think that they're supposed to play the guitar like Led Zeppelin as soon as they pick it up, you know, and it's just not going to happen. It does not happen like that. You cannot cheat the process. You have to go from a beginner to advanced beginner, intermediate, so on and so forth. But, you know, you have to be okay with knowing that, like, you know, the word of the day challenges, right, are going to arise and you're going to feel like you suck and all of these things, that is totally normal. I think sometimes people need to know that that feeling is normal. Oh, man, you threw your guitar down yesterday and stormed off. Man, I did that. Oof, I did that last week. You know, people just have to be okay. If you want to really go for something and start over, you have to be okay with being a beginner. And, you know, I've had no problem with that. I've tried to really, really dive into it and put myself, you know, submerge myself into uh, being a beginner and to love, you know, love the struggle, love not knowing what's going to happen next, not knowing how I'm going to overcome this next thing, because I'm going to figure it out eventually because I'm not going to quit. Mm. Do you have and maybe what you just said is it, but do you have magic phrases or anything to deal with self-doubt? Like <clears throat> I know you've said you had self-doubt in basketball and it's like, Jesus, if you are going to doubt yourself in basketball, like yeah. what are the rest of us left to do with virtually anything that we touch? 
You know, it's visualizing. It's visualizing. One thing that helped me all the time, and I think it kind of doesn't get as much credit um, with a lot of people, is, is how much I visualized. Anytime I had self-doubt, I would just dream of just, man, well, when I'm holding that trophy, man, when I get it. And that kept me going because that's the goal. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling right now or if I can do it. And when you have self-doubt, I mean, you can only go one of two ways. There's no meh, you know, there's no in-between. There's either I can't do it or I'm going to do it. Even if I come up short, I still want to have that confidence. You know, I still want to go after uh, what I want as opposed to just giving up and saying, ah, well, the referees, uh, and, and just go home. I would rather go down trying as opposed to, you know, just just not trying at all. Talk to me about confidence. So when you're having self-doubt, obviously you're not feeling very confident. Is part of visualizing just sort of steeping yourself in living that success so you can reignite the confidence? Or how do you think about that? Well, I think confidence comes from work ethic. Um, you know, first and foremost, you, you, you can't be confident and not do anything. You know, um, that would be, uh, you know, considered foolery. <laughs> <laughs> but I always had confidence from my work, you know, the work I put into the game. I remember uh, me and LeBron had a conversation. He had an amazing uh, game seven to, to win our uh, second championship. And, and it was just me and him in the locker room afterwards. And I, I remember asking him, I said, man, why, why, how did you, you know, he was shooting, he wasn't shooting the ball well all series. We all had our own doubts that we were dealing with. And I mean, he came out and had an incredible night. And I said, man, what, what, you know, why'd you, what happened? He said, man, I put too much work in. <laughs> I put too much work in. So when, you know, if you put the work in, you know, when you get to those situations, that can give you confidence. If you're frightened, that's fine. If you're, if you're scared, that's fine. You eventually have to rise to the occasion. You know, that's a, that's a big point. That's a word that I always say, rise to the occasion because, you know, when you practice, you have to put yourself in those moments continuously over and over and over so that when they come, you just do what you've done. You do what you visualize. That's what I use uh, visualization. I always use that as well to kind of put myself in situations before they happen, hopefully. And, you know, to, to, to give myself confidence to say, hey, I've been here before. You know, I know what this is going to be like. I'm, I'm going to give my best. This is why I put the work in time after time, day after day, night after night. So when and if that situation arises, I can trust myself. I know that I can be confident because I know without a doubt that I've done what needs to be done. I'm confident. And you can be brave about that and, and go into it and, and be confident. Yeah, there's an awesome Bruce Lee quote that I love where he said, you want to kick until you don't think kick, you just kick. And... <laughs> Yeah, I always thought that that makes all the sense in the world. And wow. it's one of those, right? It's a great quote. There's another one. I forget who said it, but I don't fear the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks once. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And it's yeah. like there really is. And you go into this in the book. I'd actually love to get your thoughts on it. The notion of you, you have to get your mind and your body in the right place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what's the importance I, there? Yeah, How do we do it? I think 
I think exercise has a lot to do with that. You know, there, I truly do believe there is a mind body connection. I don't know the word for it. I think what proprioception or something like that, but um, you know, there is, I think, you know, when you exercise, when you use your body, that is an intelligence. It's an intelligence that we have. And if we're not using it, then we're probably, it's, we're, we're not using as much as of our brain as we can. I think some, a lot of those things will naturally come through exercise because we're human beings, right? We were talking about evolution earlier. We used to run and catch our food, you know, now we can relax and just push a button and it comes right to us, you know? So we have to make sure that we're continuing to stay active. Um, I think when, when you activate the body, when you move the body and make sure it's flexible and strong, who knows what could happen? You know, that's just a good uh, habit to have. Um, and there have been moments to, you know, to, to get a little deeper, I guess there have been moments in, in games or, working out or instances where you ever had one of those moments where you do something, it's like, wow, how did I do that? <laughs> Your brain just kind of takes over. That always kind of continuously happened with me in basketball quite a bit. And, and I would try to reenact the same thing and I couldn't do it another time. You know, there, there is just this magic that happens when you, you, you know, when you do a lot of repetition in any given subject and it's, it's, it's time to flow you can trust that it will happen if that's what you do. And, and, and I just love that. And, and it's indescribable. Uh, people have to experience it for themselves, but you definitely got to get active. I, I think um, that, that could be tremendously beneficial in some kind of way, whether that's a walk, whether that's push-ups, sit-ups, you know, that's, that's a part of pushing yourself. Um, that's important. Get that heart beating, get that blood flowing. And then, you know, I don't know, just something – happens um you know whether that's creatively or 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 just thought provoking but i just really do feel when you use use the body and move the body and combine that with um actually analyzing and thinking man it um it, it really it really can be very special one of the things that i liked about the book is the way that you talk about criticism when you're in the public eye the way that you were and people get so passionate about their teams uh, how did you deal with criticism? Cause not all criticism is coming from hecklers. Like, you know, sometimes yeah, it's right. actually really useful feedback. No, absolutely. Some people's job is to criticize, right? Um, you know, you know, I found myself in a unique position, um, joining Miami coming from Toronto. Um, there is a difference and there was a difference between Canada and the United States, um, especially with the coverage that we were getting. Um, and you know, we did come, together in quite a boisterous way so <laughs> that was a lot of <laughs> that, that was well <laughs> you know, we said the parade before we won right <laughs> so you know me looking back I, I i do understand it and especially how passionate people get about sports i understand those things now uh but going through it at the time i mean you know you don't understand it i i just want to i had to eventually learn that just because I want something doesn't mean everybody else wants something. And just because I've made up in my mind that this is what I'm going to go after, everybody is not going to agree with it. And, you know, I, I, I was naive in that nature. I mentioned that as well. I probably I thought everybody was going to be excited, like, oh, man, this is going to be like 
the early 2000 Lakers or the mid 90s, early mid and late 90s Bulls. Oh, man, people are going to be so excited to watch us play. Not so much the case. It's sports, you know, and I kind of let my euphoria and my uh, my naivety, Tay or however you say it, um, I, I let it get the best of me pretty much. I started looking over and I started caring about what people think. And, you know, it can get, you know, in the media, it can get quite nasty sometimes. And the minute you look and you give it attention, oh, man, it gets louder. And I found myself kind of in this whirlwind of, of doubt because someone else would put it there. And so that's one of the things that I had to learn. I had to listen to myself, do my preparation, get my mental preparation in for the game and what I need to do. Of course, the media always is going to have their job to do. They, they have to feed. Uh, it's a business as well, right? People have uh, kids to feed. And, you know, I took it as that. And, and that's just what it is. But the, the thing that really helped me was just knowing that it can't help me or hurt me. And if you're going to criticize me, that's cool. Criticize me winning. <laughs> you know, and criticize me being successful. Criticize me going to the gym again, even win, lose, or draw, I'm back at the gym twice a day, as a matter of fact, because I'm successful. I'm reaching that, criticize that. So I let it fuel me, but, you know, I let it fuel me in the right way. If there was uh, some criticize, criticism, uh, I, would, I would look at it, you know, objectively. And, and, and I think there's magic in there, too. You want to learn from from something like that. You just don't want to have your head in the clouds and think you don't have anything to work on. Mm -hmm. You do want to take bits and pieces, but that's all it is, bits and pieces. And then you take that, you have to be motivated. You have to go back in and continue getting the reps in. One of the things you talk about in the book that's related to criticism, you said for a brief period, you played angry and you said, okay, that, that wasn't going to be the way, right? That's just too hard to stay angry all the time and you got to find joy. Um, Dark energy, though, has has power in it. How do you leverage that? How do you think or maybe you don't allow yourself that at all? Um, but one thing I found is that I try to spend at least 80 percent of my time focused on the beautiful things I'm trying to do with my life, the lives I'm trying to touch, the people I'm trying to help. But sometimes, like they say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. I think it was Vince Lombardi that said that. And. When I'm just spent, man, and I'm I'm well past empty, I've scraped the bottom of my soul and I'm still like I need something to reinvigorate me in those very acute moments. I go to thinking about the people that want me to fail, the people that <laughs> are excited that I might fail. And yeah, while I try not to spend much time there, it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. No, it, you know what it is. Um, and. You know, it's different strokes for different folks, right? Whatever works for you. And I have used that as well. There there are so many different methods. And yeah, you don't want to just not look at it at all and just totally be oblivious. I, I used to use that uh, for energy as well. Anytime, I love it when somebody tells me I can't do something. You know, that's that's cool. It's like, oh, challenge, game on. You know what I mean? Don't put don't don't project your feelings of how you feel about yourself onto me. I can do it, you know, and that always got me fired up, too. And especially in athletics, that's that's definitely one of the huge, huge motivators that I think a lot of leaders and coaches use 
is that, yeah, they think, you know, they think that you can't do it. And yeah, that can fire you up. And, and you need that sometimes, especially on those days when you don't want to get out of bed. Um, I remember in particular, uh, it was that next year and, and we were just working so hard in the summertime and we didn't know if basketball was come back because it was a lockout situation. And, and I remember one particular day I was so tired. And my wife, she didn't wake me up, but like I woke up and she saw me get up and not, not, not get up physically, but just wake up. And I was like, yeah, babe, I don't think I'm going in the gym today. I said, yo, we got to win a championship. <laughs> You're supposed to win a championship, right? I said, ah, that's a good one. Sometimes <laughs> might be, you know, sometimes might be, hey, you wake up, I'm sore. They knew I'd be sore today. They don't think I'm going today, so I'm getting up, you know, just whatever gets you in that spirit, you know, cause you do have to have that fire and that spirit to be able to go after something. You, you definitely can't attack the mountain without a running start. I do believe in that. I, I do think you do have to have some fire and some intensity. So in, in getting that, you use whatever fuel you can, as long as you're positive and working toward that goal. Like I keep saying, man, and, and if, and if something if somebody says something you didn't like and that fires you up, man, use it. Use it all day, every day. Talk to me about <laughs> hunger. That that might have been my favorite part of the book. You got to be hungry, man. I mean, I wanted, I, I know how I felt going, I know how I felt aspiring to be something before anybody ever knew. You know, I know what it felt like to, to be in the gym by myself when nobody cared, you know? And I, I wanted to be successful so bad. I wanted to be a basketball player so bad. Every part of me, you know, was was going to put everything into that. You have, you know, you can't be satisfied. Even when I was good in high school or middle school, or if I'm finally on varsity, you might have finally, you might be a young athlete and finally got on varsity. And you're, man, you're the best player. That doesn't mean you're satisfied. That doesn't mean you stop working. You know, we can get content so easily sometimes. And, and when I say these things, these are, these are coming from my own experiences. Um, you know, we can get intent, I mean, uh, content sometimes and we'll just kind of stop. We don't show up every day anymore. It's, you know, okay, we're doing a three-day week this week. Then, then you start to see slippage and then you start to, see 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 you coming up short time after time and trying to reach something you know uh, uh for me the hunger part of it you you got to be willing to do those things within reason <laughs> <laughs> that nobody else is willing to do you know i'm i'm gonna man um i saw this one speech man i you've had him on your show the gentleman's name is slipping my mind um but he had a, uh, I saw he was a prolific speaker. And he was talking about being hungry. And he was talking about this story about being a DJ. And he just kept coming back, kept coming back. That reminded me so much about my basketball career before it became a career. You know, I had coaches tell me, I'll pick you up every day. I said, okay. They got tired of me, man. <laughs> that hunger because I was so hungry, I, okay, it doesn't matter if we were successful the night before and I had a great game. I just wanna, I want to, I'm, I'm seeing success. I want to do more. Um, and I first started seeing that when I was a sophomore. Um, going into my sophomore year, um, there was a tournament 
you, I think I read, I wrote about it quickly in the, um, in the book as well, if I'm not mistaken. And I wanted, it was this trophy. It was an MVP trophy that I wanted so bad. I had just started really seriously lifting weights. I was working out more and I wanted that trophy so bad. And I went after it because, you know, the hunger in me just wouldn't let me give up. We were losing the game when I was having these thoughts and we end up winning. And then the trophy's in my room and I'm just sitting there looking at it like, wow, I want, I want something else. I'm not satisfied. I want to do better. I want to be more successful. I want to help my teammates even more, you know, Let's get the practice earlier. <laughs> Let's put up more shots. You know, if, if you want to go after something, you, you have to be you have to have that hunger and that fight because that's going to give you that edge to, to overcome stuff. Dude, I, I believe in that so much. Uh, hunger, hunger is really everything. Like if you've got that, then you might be willing to push through to run the miles, to do the work, to oh, yeah. go for that loose ball, to play guitar till your fingers bleed. Um, I am super excited to see where your hunger takes you now, man. I think that given what you've accomplished, I wouldn't necessarily think that the next chapter was going to be exciting. But given what you wrote, <laughs> I, I am convinced that um, you will play whatever you do to the fullest. Where can people follow you and go along for the ride with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. At Chris Bosch on Twitter, at Chris Bosch on Instagram, uh, official Chris Bosch on Facebook, Chris Bosch on TikTok. We're everywhere, man. And um, if uh, if people are ever curious, I have a, a newsletter as well. It's called The Last Chip. It's at thelastchip.com. Love it. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for putting so much energy into the book. It really is an extraordinary effort. Um, I cannot wait, pe wait for people to get a hold of it. Amazing. Man, well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. And guys, speaking of things that are far broader, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.